From the director who brought you Smokey and the Bandit, Hooper, Cannonball Run, comes the ultimate spectacle. Megaforce, an elite compact fighting unit armed with the most sophisticated weapons ever seen on a movie screen. The mission to preserve freedom and justice and battle the forces of evil. The good guys always win, even in the 80s. Megaforce. Oh baby! <laughs> well, we've we've finally done it, guys. This is this is the big one. It's the premiere of season six of Reconsinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brett Hutchins. And this is the big one. We have a, a an enormous episode, so big we needed. You know what? We needed a brand new guest. We've had we've had some other friends on the show before, but we needed someone extremely special to match the size and scale of this movie. Uh, but before we bring him on, I'm five foot six, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, fine. Uh, we are covering the epic 1982 Hal Needham directed film Megaforce. Whoa. And joining Whoa. us. Yeah, this is a big, this is a big day. Joining us is a phenomenal writer and director. It's Michael Lander. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm very excited um, to talk about this powerfully masculine '80s masterpiece. <laughs> that He's come it to is. The right place. Yeah, hmm? that that it is. Yes, mm -hmm. um, it has so all the style points of like a. Olivia Newton-John music video. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah. It's, this has got to be probably one of the most bizarre movies that we've covered on the show. You know, we've, we've done, we've done all sorts of movies. We like to cover the whole, the whole gamut. Like we, we do big, big budget, well-known popular movies. We do forgotten, you know, hidden gems, but this is, uh, this is the beginning of what we're calling here at Reconcinimation, the sizzling summer of sensational cinematic shenanigans. So welcome for episode one of that series. Uh, it's going to be all summer that. long. You nailed it. <laughs> you got I practiced it, it Good all job. day long. In front of the mirror. I know you did. I know you did. Oh, <laughs> uh, but Michael, uh, tell us, uh, you know, actually, I'm not, you're not going to tell. I'm going to say, you know, Michael has direct, wrote and directed a movie called Peacock that uh, you can check it out now on Amazon. It is such a phenomenal film that uh, I highly recommend everybody go see it if you haven't already. It's, uh, it stars Killian Murphy, it's got Susan Sarandon, uh, Elliot Page, and, and Josh Lucas. Am I correct, is Josh? Josh Lucas, yes. Bill Pullman, Keith Carradine. Oh my God. Oh wow, yeah. nice. Yeah. But it's it's an amazing film, and uh, definitely check that out on Amazon immediately. As soon as you're done listening to this episode, get in there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the plug, John. Oh, of course, of course. I'm gonna tell Alexa to fire that up. Yeah. Right when right, as soon as we're done. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. 
Um, okay, so let's get down to it. Uh, why are we talking about Megaforce? Where did this Where did this come from, guys? Is it my they, fault again? You yeah, tell you're, me. Uh, sir. You're obsessed with Megaforce, John. It's <laughs> yeah. like Megaforce this, Megaforce that. I felt like the only way for us to get you to stop talking about Megaforce was to really focus on it for one whole podcast and really just cut to the bottom of it. I got to get it out of my system, but uh, let's talk about like where where did this first kind of hit our radar? Radar, Michael, why don't you kick it off? When was the first time you saw or heard about Megaforce? Um, my parents owned a video store. I grew up in a video store. Um, and so as a kid, and so, uh, I didn't see this movie when it came out as we'll, we'll, I hope we talk about 1982 and what an incredible year of movies it was. I think 1938 and 1982 are neck and neck is the greatest movie year of movies in Hollywood history. Um, Absolutely, yeah. so oddly in the, <laughs> in 82 Megaforce slipped through, uh, but, uh, I saw it the first time I remember seeing it, um, on VHS. Um, I could, in my theater, my mind, I can walk over to the video box and tell you exactly what it looked like, what pictures were on the back. Um, and it was just, it was just one of those movies you just put on and, 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 uh, in the background and we're just stunned at, at, uh, was it a comedy? Was it, is it an action movie? Um, you know, who, who better to star in a, giant 80s multi multi million dollar action film than a broadway song and dance man uh i mean <laughs> it's the only thing you can do yeah 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 no and and yeah it's it's a good thing you're doing this during pride month um <laughs> it's full of rainbow iconography yeah. um from a parachute uh that opens up that has a rainbow flag on the inside to motorcycles streaking across a desert uh, shooting off rainbow smoke. It really has it all. But that, that was the first time that I really remembered and remembered it. And then a buddy of mine recently moved out to uh, the desert outside of uh, Las Vegas uh, in Prump, Nevada. And I was like, you know, this is the area, this is the area where they shot Megaforce. And so I was like, have you seen it? And he was like, no. And I was like, could not ask Alexa to buy that fast enough. <laughs> uh, and so it be, it's become a tradition, hence this T-shirt and um, whatnot. It's become a tradition every time I go out to Pahrump, we throw that on and uh, have a good laugh. Do you when, you, when you see your friend out there, do you do the thumb kiss from afar? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that gif has gone back and forth. It's like <laughs> my text chains are littered with Megaforce uh gifts and stills there's, there's never enough megaforce gifts there isn't there really really isn't yeah <laughs> all right brent how about you when was the first time uh you heard about it is is it when i started talking about it or before then you know i remember the box art the box art stands out to me quite yeah. a bit from from just perusing the aisles of my local video store as a kid but i never saw it like for whatever reason like it never really I don't know if it was on HBO or if it wasn't on cable or or whatever, but but I missed it completely. And uh, I've been aware of it because a certain person that I spend a lot of time talking to <laughs> sure brings it up a lot. But I hadn't really seen it uh, until uh, more recently, uh, 2023. <laughs> and uh, 
And maybe maybe June 2023. Maybe right at <laughs> roughly right around June, June 2020. <laughs> yeah, June yeah. 2023. I uh, and you know, Michael, you mentioned having uh, you know, like some some like traditions that you have with this that you and your buddy get together and you watch mm-hmm. it. I feel like this is exactly the type of movie that this is for, right? And so, like, it's mm-hmm. to me, it has like watching it on my own for the first time ever, I have to say, I was like, what the fuck is going on? But if I had a guide through that journey, I feel like it would have been an exceptionally enjoyable experience. And it was still extremely fascinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, the level of the practical effects chaos that is happening at certain parts of this movie, I found absolutely mesmerizing. Um, there's very much a kindred spirit to the vehicles in this movie that reminds me of a lot of the like eighties Mattel, like toy cars that I would have played with as a kid and, and things like that. Uh, very much like if I was a kid making a movie in my brain, right. What it would look like on screen. And, uh, and so, and so I can't say that I can sit here and be like, that movie was exceptionally made. But it's one hell of a ride and it was very enjoyable. And I'm glad I finally got a chance to see it. And I'm looking forward to talking more about it with someone who uh, really appreciates it. So this is this is going to be fun. This is the place. This is the place. David, what about you? Uh, you know, uh, uh, the, if you look on IMDb now at the as of this recording, that is that box art, the box art you'd see at the VHS. It's um, because it, that sort of looks a little familiar. That poster, I guess, yes. it's not really box yep, art. That's that's yeah, the box a art. version of that. So yeah, like that actually looks familiar, but also like I realized like that looks like the cover of a bunch of Nintendo Entertainment System games. Like the <laughs> it's like an artwork of like action. So it kind of like reminds you of like whatever, not Contra exactly, but the gameplay of Contra. Or these these endless games where it was just like army type, uh, you know, action and explosion. Russian attack. Russian, yeah, yeah, like just like, but like so, and even down to the font, which the font of Mega Force is like it's a weird like it kind of looks like Blade Runner, kind of looks like Metal Gear Solid uh, again, Metal Gear from Nintendo, like just like sort of that that. And I don't know if that's a direct if this is an original font to Mega Force, but there is one if you look out there, you can look for Omega Force and download that for your computer, and then you can have the Mega Force font in all your documents. <laughs> but so that sort of looked familiar to me. And but done. I, I, is that David's plug? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just wanted to help anyone who's look, looking for it. Like, oh, well, if I want to go to muncheck.com font for font. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to now type all of my memos in Megaforce font. <laughs> yeah, yes. I think you, you owe it yes. to everyone. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was sort of familiar with the, that artwork, I think. But I wasn't aware of the film. But yeah, it became... It became something of with with uh, uh, becoming friends with John became something of, of okay that the, there's this thing out there, um, but like much like Brent, it is like it, it feels like you you know seeing it alone by myself. It's one thing, but it's like it's almost like if I'm going to take ayahuasca, like you need a shaman to bring you through. <laughs> one of your friends who you trust right. is going to guide you through this experience. Right. You know, just for that first time. So, like the way Brent described, it, I'm like, yeah, it's got to, it's got to be like doing that, <laughs> like, um, because yeah, there's things about it that are confusing and exhilarating and 
stunning and it's that's uh, that's definitely a word for it stunning it, stunning is it's it's as equally admirable in its scope of practical effects as it is absolutely batshit crazy bananas un right. nonsensical you know it's it's it truly exists i think in equal parts well, that's what I was so that, and then like that's the, my big thing. I was it, just the the combination of stunts and camera and practical effects, yeah, uh, and, and all that. I was like, whoa, like th <laughs> those are extremely impressive on their own, in a sense. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, they don't that doesn't gel with the rest of the film at all. <laughs> but there is like sort of an exuberance to the whole every like scene of the movie. There's some like sort of like. You know, just the 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 whole the whole team is a bunch of smiling goofballs uh, who who commit murder and 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 fight and fight for freedom or whatever they do. I, it's just like wow, <laughs> it's, it's my favorite team of of all the like super you know super army type teams out there, mercenaries. Like they're the happiest. You know, they're just having fun. All those guys. They're well, it has a very it has a very Team America World Police. You well, know, like. Let's come back to hold that thought because we're going to come back to that way later on. It is held. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, the, the first time I saw this was I, I did not see it in my local video store, Movies One. Um, did not come across it, did not see the poster. I was home. It was the summer of, I think, 2000 and bored one summer afternoon, just going through the channels. And I came across. Barry Bostwick in this gold outfit and that hair and that headband. And I had to put the remote down and watch the rest of this epic movie. And it was really just, it was the ending. And of all the things to see, the ending is maybe the most special piece of this masterpiece. Um, Spectacular. And then I could not find it again. And it was, uh, you know, this is like when VHS was starting to, you know, simmer down and DVDs were really starting to pick up and hadn't made the transition yet. But uh, yeah, I was kind of obsessed with the movie. And it wasn't um, until Michael, when we became friends and realized that each of us had a love of Megaforce that I think we went to the next level. It was. It's <laughs> a moment in our relationship yeah. that I shan't not forget because it's not every day, you know, you drop a Megaforce reference yeah. and someone is there with you. Um, you know, I, again, because I grew up in a video store, my film nerddom ran very deep, very early and then just got built on yeah, at 18, 19 when I moved out. So to drop a Megaforce, uh, you know, a deed's not words, uh, yeah. whatever it is. That's um, all you need to say. And that's all you need to say. And yeah. you're, you're, you're in. It's like in our shadow episode when the, the, the secret code words that they would, uh, <laughs> they would say to be in club shadow. So if you, if you were out in a public place and there was a, a sudden crisis and like, you know, you kind of had to gather like the people you can count on and it, but among a bunch of strangers, would you guys just start shouting some catchphrases yeah. to see like, oh, find the Megaforce yes. fans. Yeah. Well, yes. we yeah. can take care of the next thing. Together. If you say deeds, not words in an emergency situation and someone echoes it back, ah. you know, everything is going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You're surviving. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if, I, yep. if I'm ever trapped in an elevator, the first with people, the first thing I'm saying is deeds not words right. and i'm gonna assess who the alpha is in that box <laughs> very quickly 
<laughs> Who are we sending through that hole through the hatch of, through yeah. the hatch of the of the? Uh... And the funny thing is, do they actually say deeds, not words, in the movie? I don't think they actually That's do. A, it's on the poster. It's on the poster. And and supposedly, and we'll come again. We'll come back to this. The sequel part two is going to be yes. Megaforce deeds, not words, as the full title. Isn't it yeah. on the patch too, though? Like they have a patch, and yeah, it's clearly they're... like they're. they're... Uh, what patch are you, could you possibly <laughs> oh, yeah, be talking? Yeah, about? I don't know. I don't know. Have you seen it before? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a a Megaforce T-shirt that has the patch on it that says "Deeds Not Words." Yeah, I mean, it's clearly their their catchphrase that it remains unspoken. It's a written yes. only catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. Because because it's yeah. deeds, not words. Exactly. So they don't speak it. But yeah. you could but you could also scream in a in a you know a smoky you know mall on fire. You say the good guys always win, even in the eighties. Yeah. You're, right. you're gonna find your people. So <laughs> so guys, I, I know you know the the millions of listeners right now um may not not all of them may be familiar with Megaforce. So Maybe we should just back up just a second. David, why don't you, can you explain maybe not even the plot of the movie, but what is, what is Megaforce? Despite official denials by leaders of the free world, sources now confirm the existence of Megaforce, a phantom army of super elite fighting men whose weapons are the most powerful science can devise. Their mission to preserve freedom and justice, battling the forces of tyranny and evil in every corner of the globe. Just, just for the folks who haven't seen it, what he just read to you is literally the opening title card <laughs> that is on the screen at the same time it's being read to you. <laughs> yes, yes. read in full. <laughs> they knew that reading comprehension level of that audience. Yeah. Someone said, hey, uh, let's get Ernie Anderson or somebody in yeah. and fucking read this thing. <laughs> we got it. We got to yeah. grab them. We got to grab them hard and fast right at the beginning. So. Right. They yeah, the this assignment. isn't the Blade Runner crowd, folks. Yeah. <laughs> we need a bleeding red font and we need a, a powerful voice to tell mm -hmm. us what we're about to see. How can yeah. you not? How can you not get sucked in at that point? I mean, yeah. I, like if yeah. there were seatbelts in the theater, I would buckle it <laughs> tight right there. You tighten it up. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back. Let's go way back to um, our favorite, one of our favorite years in film, 1982. Brent, set the table for us. What's happening, you know, quickly in the world and film? And we'll get into cinema of 1982 as well. Yeah, so 1982, although a great year for movies, was kind of a bummer year for like the worldwide uh, uh, actions that were taking place. There were a couple wars going on. There was the Falklands War, the Lebanon War uh, happening overseas. There were tons. I mean, when I was reading through, like just trying to find uh, news clips from 82, it was like there were tons of plane crashes and just like really kind Tons. of honestly there were there were handfuls i didn't count them all but there were there were a number of of plane yeah. crashes british airway crashes pan am crashes i mean it was 
more so than I've seen in any of the other years that we've been kind of studying since we since we've done this this bit of the of the podcast. So it was it stood out. Um, so so th- that was all kind of kind of going on, but but focusing on kind of more of the sports and entertainment stuff. Obviously, movies that year were phenomenal. We've already kind of alluded to it a couple times, but some of my favorite movies of all time uh, came out in '82. Uh, E.T. Uh, you know, one of them, Poltergeist being another one, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Dark Crystal, Secrets of Nim, Creep Show, bunch of movies that we talk about all the time, not to leave out The Thing, which is obviously a huge inspiration to many of us on the podcast. So that year was uh, cinematically phenomenal. Um, on the downside of that, uh, that's the year that uh, that Vic Morrow died in the helicopter accident on the set of, oh, right. yeah. of The Twilight Zone, which was tragic. Two children lost their lives in that same accident. And that, that changed just how safety and precautions were, were approached on film sets moving forward. Uh, so that was a really big deal. And then sports-wise... Uh, you know, the New York Islanders swept the Vancouver Canucks to win the Stanley Cup. The Lakers beat the 76ers to win the NBA Finals. Uh, and then the FIFA World Cup was going on that year. And Italy uh, beat West Germany uh, to win the World Cup. So that was still back in the day where there was a West and East Germany before the wall came down. Ah, so, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's 82 in a nutshell. Compact discs. Were first produced uh, in '82, in also in Germany, uh, which uh, for some of us older folks were what we used to listen to music on in between cassettes and MP3s, or what you would now digitally download on your iPad or iPod or phone. Or some of us you still, some of us still listen to those. Does anyone see this? Spotify. <laughs> what is that? That's a the Mortal Kombat soundtrack uh, that I just. Why? I don't know why I have it uh, at my desk, but I know why you have it at your desk because it's on, it's in the rotation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's in the jukebox. Always. Uh, Yeah. Can I, can I add just a couple shout out movies? No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there are, there are, my list is um, not comprehensive. The the verdict, the verdict, Tron, Tootsie, Sophie's Choice, Gandhi. Uh, This is all in one year. First Blood, Poltergeist. Blade Runner. Um, Blade Runner. An Blade Runner, yep. Officer and a Gentleman, Night Shift. Um, it, it, it's really, really uh, bananas. It's bananas. Li- Liquid Sky. Uh, there, it goes on and on and on. I highly recommend everyone, uh, particularly those of you under 40 listening to this, to, to just go to Wiki and type in American Films 1982. And you can uh, just see how incredible of a year it was. And there, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Also, could... Firefox, starring Clint Eastwood. Yeah. yeah. You, you, that, that's another great, trashy movie from 82. <laughs> you, we you could, could go it's a great... Go the ahead, great dude. Muppet caper. I mean, yeah. the, dude, <laughs> the toy. We've talked about the toy on this yeah. podcast before. Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the list the is, is... Jackie Gleason. And, and, pretty incredible. And, uh, yeah, Richard Pryor, Jackie, yeah, the toy is Jack Gleason, Richard Pryor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yep, yep. You'd probably you could go. You'd have to go to different theaters, but on a summer day in '82, you can go see Poltergeist, Wrath of Khan, E.T., uh, Blade Runner, yeah. The Thing, Tron. Yeah. Like uh, uh, July, like July of that summer must have been just the greatest time to just 
keep going to the oh. movies. <laughs> like, we could we oh. could just do this podcast just on the year 1982 and have a full oh lineup. I'm yeah. I'm I'm if you'll have me, I'm here for. It. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and that uh, should probably be four parts. We have a six hour six hour odyssey. We we, we tried it with 1997 once, and that has become our yeah. our lost it's, episode because it was oh. <laughs> it was okay. We were at Therm. four hours, and we were we were like halfway through the we year. Were, I think. We were yeah, was, we were we were like in no. in August, I think. Yeah. Was it August. did we make August? Okay. Right. Yeah, we were about to start August or we just finished it. And it's like, we have the whole fall. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on Uli's gold. So. <laughs> How do you not? Good. Good. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough not to. Yeah. But 1982, you know, there's one movie that tops all of them. All of them combined, <laughs> really. Zapped. And that's Megaforce. Zapped. Oh, or Megaforce. Oh, yeah. Man, um, yeah, what an amazing, it is really arguably the greatest year in the history of cinema. Um, and this movie was amongst that group. We can, we can say that. Yeah. Uh, how, so, how it got lost, I'll never know. I, I, yeah. yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs> I have a good idea. <laughs> but so how did a movie like Megaforce, so like we're coming out of new ho- the new Hollywood wave and that the, the you know, the, the very heavy and dark and serious films of the seventies. And we've, you know, migrated into the eighties. Star Wars has come out. Indiana Jones has come out. I guess two Star Wars movies. Empire was out as well. Uh, So the tone is starting to lighten, but we're not fully in that eighties mode yet. Megaforce is completely like an eighties, you know, bananas feel good movie, but just happening maybe a few years too early. Like if, if, if Megaforce came out after like police Academy, maybe the world would have been a little more ready for it. Wait, are you, so you're saying it's ahead of its time. I think that Megaforce was ahead of its time. (laughs) That's a bold statement, but okay. We'll, we'll ride with that. (laughs) Uh, It's a movie with an identity crisis. Yeah. I think it's a movie that doesn't know what it is. And it's so clear that it doesn't know what it is on the screen that that's one of the reasons why it's just, it's one of the great trashy films of all time. One of the great train wrecks to watch of all time. Because it, it really, doesn't, yeah. it is, it, it exists at a weird intersection of, of action and, and, you know, wisecracking sort of taking Cannonball Run and the other things that Hal Needham had done and Hooper and Smokey and the Bandit and trying to sort of shoehorn it into, you know, uh, uh, a Golan Globus action pic- picture yeah. or something, you know, right. it was, it was not, uh, uh, by the way, that's only a reference I could make on this podcast where anyone would understand what I was talking about. I just hey, we did that. we did a but, we did a whole episode on the history of Golan Clovis. Oh, great! Okay, yeah. cool. So Jim Cotta, you got the entire oh, yeah. Michael Dudikoff can- canon. Of, of course, yes, yes. We okay. did one episode Good. on Avenging Force, and then we did a whole episode mm-hmm. celebrating canon. Because you could say Megaforce ushered that in, right? Yeah. There's an argument. I mean, it is there. kind of in that there, there is a moment for that um, where it could fit in. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a glorious piece of train wreck um, captured on celluloid. 
Yeah, it, it it certainly, sorry, David, it certainly, when I was watching it, like kind of reminded me of some of the old Ed Wood movies like Plan 9 from Outer Space, except like cranked mm -hmm. up to 11, right? Like with all mm -hmm. the explosions and the apparently unlimited access to military vehicles and 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 armor armament, you know, but- mm -hmm. it, it And a military aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's an entire like, sequence. How the like, hell did they get C access to all this? But yeah, there's massive like transporter planes and absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. but it did uh, while watching it. I was like, man, this really feels like '80s Ed Wood. If, yes. If, like yeah. to summarize, right. And and it's all from the it, it's the brainchild of of Hal Needham really. Mm -hmm. who was the, you know, a, a, a long time stunt man, stunt coordinator uh, who came up through, I think, starting in the 50s all the way through into the 70s and then made the jump to director. And, you know, his I'm mean, really his greatest film has to be Smokey and the Bandit. Separately right. from Megaforce, I'm talking about Megaforce is its own universe. Everything else is separate. <laughs> my favorite, right. my favorite Needham is rad. I'm, there you I'm go. Just, Rad. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. Rad. My favorite Needham is Hooper. Yeah. Uh, you get Jan Michael Vincent. Uh, you get Burt Reynolds. You get Sally Field. You get Brian Keith. You get Robert Klein as the annoying first AD. You get James Best, Adam West. It's wow. If anybody hasn't seen Hooper, you need to see Hooper. And again, the the scale and scope of practical stunts that is in it. Uh, there's a jet car. There's a sequence. My wife is a first AD. Um, and there is a car sequence with people lining the streets uh, in this in this old town with smoke smokestacks falling behind a car that is harrowing. Just really a legit, just like, holy shit. Even if you just watch that part of it. Um, yeah. Hooper. Seek it out. Yeah, but. How how was you know so Smokey one and Smokey two and then and Hooper and what else I'm forgetting something else that's in there um, Cannonball Run Cannonball Run so huge movies of yeah. that like late seventies into the early eighties he was one of the mm -hmm. really was one of the top directors for that you know that window of time yeah of, of the big action movie directors of that time he was he was the guy. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what the equivalent sort of would be today, maybe like a Francis Lawrence or a, uh, you know, not quite a James Cameron on that big of a scale, but he, he was, he was the, he was a go-to action guy. Yeah. And, uh -huh. and all those were hits and, and tag teaming with mm -hmm. a major, major star in Burt Reynolds, who was mm -hmm. of that time was, had to be what George Clooney equivalent, right? He, yep. I feel like I'm just talking a lot. That's <laughs> why you're here. So uh, Hal Needham was actually Burt Reynolds' stunt double for a movie called Gator. They became very, very good friends. For 12 years, Hal Needham lived in Burt Reynolds' pool house. He wrote on legal pads the uh, script to Smokey and the Bandit and gave it to Burt Reynolds and said, if you get this made, I'll direct it. And that's what launched Hal Needham's career. Hal Needham invented the shot maker, which is a, a, a car that has a, a, a bunch of uh, camera gear hooked to it. So you could shoot car chases a lot faster. He invented the air ram. He had invented a bunch of stuff that's used today um, in, in, in movies and TV shows. He's a super, super important guy 
um, and made really cheesy, wacky stunt movies, basically. You know, it, yeah. was, a, it was his his sandbox. And Megaforce becomes the next one in line for that, right? That this is a movie. I mean, it felt like this was just a reason that Hal could get his stunt buddies together with some special effects and explosions and just have a, a good time in the desert. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> yeah, that's isn't yeah. this isn't this all about just having a, a goof off great time? Like all of this, all all of these Hal Needham movies, like the characters are having a great time. I mean, like yeah. Smoke Smokey was just he was just loving life, right? <laughs> like it's just it, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's a celebration of of like the crazy shit you could do, pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah, he's the king of the hold my beer movies, right? <laughs> right. Uh, like script and plot and everything is like, well, oh, yeah, let's yeah. just put that off to the side. But hey, man, I got this yes. cool fucking thing we're going to do. Let's yeah, do it. Look, if he were alive, he would have directed The Machine with Burt Kreischer, probably, right? right. Like that's that's probably where the, his intersection would have, you know, if he if he had made it um, through. But yeah, that's, that's where, you know, it was a time where machoism um sort of toxic masculinity of the 70s into the early 80s um again which is hilarious why brian bostwick was chosen to star in this uh in megaforce um who those of you haven't seen is a very tall slender slightly effeminate man uh wearing a gold uh unitard um and a and a you know and a blue headband um with just for men hairspray and a big poufant it's it's crazy. It's, it's the greatest look I've ever seen on celluloid. <laughs> I mean the yeah, the it gold is. the gold the gold spandex suit is yeah. No, would something... you say it's not it's not very forgiving? Is that <laughs> no, the I know. you're looking <laughs> I, yeah, I'd say it's not very forgiving at all. Doesn't it leave is... much to the imagination. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is uh there is a lot of powerful people behind this movie besides Hal. I mean, you have you have Golden Harvest, who is one of the biggest or if not the biggest, you know, production company in Hong Kong, who's making this attempt to break into the American film market. And they have a $50 million slate that they are, you know, allotting to make a certain amount of movies. And they have selected Megaforce as one of those films. And uh, along with that, you know, Al Ruddy is the producer who is the man who produced The Godfather and who created what he created, Hogan's Heroes. Heroes. I think the TV version of How the West Was Won and later on another epic, Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. So the fact that one person was creatively involved with Walker, Texas Ranger and Megaforce is... Something very special. And The Godfather. And Godfather, yeah. All like, of those in one, that. Yeah, in one line. Yeah. You've lived yeah. a life. But uh, yeah, so so there's some big, you know, big names behind this. And, I, you know, watching it now, I was really curious. Why wasn't Burt Reynolds in this movie? Do we know? Was yeah. there... I mean, he was still like one of the top stars at this point. Mm-hmm. Did was he just? Did he know what this movie was going to be? And it's like, you know what, Hal, I'm going to sit this one out. I've got to make. That's great. I don't. 
I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. I wish I did. I mean, there. Yeah, I don't think there is one. Um, I don't think it's. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never heard a Burt Reynolds interview where he's discussed Megaforce, but. (laughs) Uh, Well, I wonder. I I wonder. Someone find those lost tapes, please. Was he was he in something else at the time? It I'm is sure. Kind of an I'm interesting sure. question. But uh, you know, I the care. I I don't. I I can't see him. I can't see him in this movie. Like maybe as Guerrera, but not as. I can't see him as Ace. He's not right. That are you talking about Henry Silva? Oh, I I sure am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those uh, of you who don't know, Google Henry Silva. Hundred and forty credits i think to his name yeah henry silva is one of the i mean a very recognizable face that uh was all over movies through the 60s and 70s and then still through the 80s and yeah, he was in noir he was in noir films in the in the 50s yeah I, mean, I think he lived to be 96 or 94 or something like that yeah and he's he was in the manchurian candidate he was in i, I feel like he was in a lot of the the rat pack movies the mm-hmm. yeah he's in ocean 11 yeah yeah he's in oceans 11 and yeah he's been in a, he's been in a ton of stuff and and then gets involved into a lot of low budget you know action horror movies he's in mm-hmm. i, I want to say he's the villain in code of silence with chuck norris he's in alligator he's in and of course he finds his way into megaforce mm-hmm. um let's talk about the plot though because there let's <laughs> And it'll be a quick discussion. More plot? Let's let's <laughs> analyze let's analyze that. Real quick. <laughs> what is going on in this movie? Is it even clear what the story is? Because it's very clear, like like David walked us through in the beginning, what Megaforce is. So we understand clearly what this team is. But then we meet Guerrera, who's this who's part of this army that's invading another country, right? The c- country of so he's part. So Guerrero is part of the Gamibian army, and yeah. they're they're invading the Republic of Sardun. Sardun. So which which appear to be you know in appearance like countries in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But why that's happening, we don't know. Mm-mm. Right. There is no. there is no explanation of what he's after, the purpose of. And there's invading. a lighter involved, like. <laughs> Barry Bostwick yeah. has a lighter, and yeah. maybe Guerrero has a lighter. Yeah, he well, take his lighter. Yeah. Well, why yeah. are they trying to stop him? Like that's like I don't feel like they really established like what the what the point of them trying to stop him was either. Well, other right, than, because we other don't know than why that megaforce is like. Yeah, we protect good. Right. British the Brit the Brits need him probably right like the, yeah. these are probably con- wow. there's controlled territory under British rule kind of like India for a long time you know like right. so something like that because that's where I I I can that and they they can't you know official governments can can only go to certain places and not cross certain borders so that's why Megaforce is recruited because they can basically go anywhere they they need to and. I think so. They're not acting in an official capacity for any government. Yeah. So, so we meet Edward Mulhare, uh, who many will remember from Knight Rider and Persis, Persis Kambada from Star Trek, the motion picture, but this time with a full head of hair. Uh, 
and so they they go off to to recruit Megaforce to come in and help. Mm-hmm. Edward Moliere, who 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 uh, Moliere, who eighty six episodes, like you said, of of Knight Rider, but yeah. um, also at one moment shows up in like desert fatigues and Carol Channing glasses, like giant <laughs> round uh, like glasses. Uh, your grandma buys at at like uh, Walgreens, uh, yeah. you know, before going on vacation to Cabo, and, it, like, and an <laughs> and like a blue ascot. Yes, and a blue ascot. Yeah, an amazing wardrobe it's choice. Awesome wardrobe choices. I feel sure. I feel a whole uh, wardrobe chest full of uh, costumes for Halloween this year. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's no costume designer on this movie. I know. Gonna, yes. Are we going to talk about them? I jumping ahead. You're no. jumping ahead, but we can talk about it right now. Okay. It's fine. Right, um, yeah, because you know Mattel. Mattel designed all of the vehicles and the and the costumes before there was they ever started shooting. Wow. So there was never a there was never a cost a wardrobe person on this because it's it was amazing. all based on designing the toys that were going to sell. I mean, that's how confident they were. That this was gonna, like this was gonna crush the They're merchandising like, is gonna be sick, you guys. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. this movie is yeah. like is GI Joe just before GI Joe comes out. It's really right. the same thing, except they're all wearing the same uniform. What what GI Joe smartened up, especially from a marketing perspective, is like every character looks different, does something different. They're very like they have a significant or a uh, you know specialty each character so we're the megaforce they're all just kind of one team who look in you know all wearing the same outfit but um mm-hmm. yeah there definitely was a marketing campaign uh fully in mind going into production on this movie and that the partnership with mattel was was huge a huge part of that mm-hmm. um yeah they were but, trying to get uh, some of that star wars toy money yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, there, there. Are, if you, you go online, you can find um, there's comic books that were coming out a year before the release that show like the poster and the vehicles and what everyone was looking like. It's like a line drawing, and you could pre-order toys, you know, like Star Wars did. Wow, because wow. Kenner didn't have the toys ready. Right. Yeah. So there was there was the comic books. There was uh, the Matchbox cars. Right. That that. Mm-hmm. Um, like and that I definitely had. I definitely had a bunch of these. Did not realize it was Megaforce at the time, but yeah. um and then there's an Atari uh twenty six hundred game. Which we that right? must track. Yeah, down. we gotta find yeah, that. Yeah, that needs I need to play that online. Yeah. yeah. Um but I so we you know, we follow uh Pierce's Kambada and and Mr. Mulhair, as as they try to find this mysterious megaforce team uh, somewhere in a miscellaneous desert, <laughs> where we meet my favorite megaforce member besides Ace, it's Dallas, played by Michael Beck from The Warriors. Rattlesnake uh, shooting Dallas. Yeah. So so Confederate flag wearing. Yeah. Confe- yeah. Confederate flag skull t shirt wearing. Yes. Skull. Yeah. Yeah. Um I my my favorite part of that scene is like they're the two of them are in the desert looking all over, can't find any, you know, just wondering how someone's gonna pick them up. And then <laughs> gunshots ring out and uh Michael Beck is 
like 10 feet away from them with his pickup truck that somehow they didn't see right in front yeah. of them. His yeah. full size Ford, his full size 82 Ford Bronco. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, just going to sneak that right up on you. Yeah. Yeah. And he is like the happiest, you know, all of Megaforce. I really applaud them for just, they love their jobs. I've never seen people that love their jobs as much as the Megaforce dudes do. They love deeding instead of wording, guys. It's like their yes. favorite thing in the world to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Michael Beck takes them in and brings them inside. Uh, not not before a like randomly unnecessary uh, hologram lady in a beach. In, right. the in a bikini, desert. wearing a yeah. bikini. Yeah. That's to show they have the technology. Technology. Yeah, to... you have to plant that seed earlier. It's not going to track later when it shows <laughs> yeah. up again randomly. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. perfectly, it was perfectly placed in yes. a not random spot in the middle yes. of the desert. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So we've got very simple story beats happening here. Very The, the pulse is very slow at, at, this, at this point in the movie. And then we spend quite a bit of time inside the megaforce lair which is the most high tech uh <laughs> the most high tech uh pieces of equipment that that i've seen frankly ever to this day mm-hmm. and yeah. huge base huge mountain base right like i was like huge like this mm-hmm. is this is gi joe vibes for me i think right oh yeah like, just yeah like, multiple levels of uh and crazy vehicle and the number of vehicles in this thing they show off it, it's all world building like this is how impressive the mega force is there's only 60 guys in the field but they've got they've got an army's worth of we've got 1200 of vehicles we've only, <laughs> only got 30 guys to drive it but yeah, yeah. there's how many can really drive a helicopter <laughs> yeah yeah i actually shot on that stage or uh that uh that in- intravision stage where they they built all that stuff oh wow really did, did they have any? Did, did you they kiss have the any? ground? Uh, <laughs> I did. I burst. Yeah, I burst into tears. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's also famously how they did all of the Big Lebowski. Um, you know, the Big Lebowski dream sequences were all shot yeah. on that same stage. Um, the the intro vision stuff, where it's just a rear projection, and they build part of the set in front of the rear projection. It's all impractical, and it doesn't yeah. feel real. The uncanny valley when you're watching it. <laughs> It's just like, wait, what am I looking at? Why is why is there no depth past yeah. a certain point? You know, yeah. it just all flattens out. It's weird. <laughs> Did they shoot the skydiving scene there too? Um, you mean the greatest first date in the recorded the history? Greatest of the romantic skydive scene ever put to film. <laughs> yes. It yeah, kids, get yourselves a copy of this movie, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> it is one ridiculous literally the two lead characters have an amazing first date uh with some weird uh crazy score behind it where they jump out of an airplane and have a first date while skydiving and i mean not like the act of learning how to skydive but i mean in the air plummeting towards the earth skydiving yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, and very o- very obvious intercuts between real skydiving footage and then this, <laughs> and then them laying on a plank of wood, <laughs> yeah. uh, pretending to be uh, skydiving. Yeah, 
Don't they talk to they talk to each other at one point? They do. I, yeah, at one point. Yeah, they have right? an ex line exchange. Yeah. yeah. Sure you do it 14,000 feet. Yeah, falling falling I mean, to the earth. Listen, yeah. I've never I've never jumped out of a plane, but I'm sure that's totally possible. <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah, completely. It's usually the best first date. Mhm. Mm Absolutely. <laughs> it's where you want to take your your person on your first date, for sure. <laughs> True. If you want to um, blow thumb kisses, that's definitely where it starts. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. and this is where we get our first glimpse of uh, our of our lead, Ace Hunter, played by the amazing Barry Bostwick, and uh, probably one of the most flamboyant characters, uh, you know, lead roles that I've ever seen. I mean, he's he's so he's so theatrical and over the top that it's just amazing to watch it. Like I could just watch that character just like eat a sandwich, you know? <laughs> and we see our first bit of like the actual cool part of Megaforce, which is like the stunts. Like we, we see, we see three drivers and you can tell which one is ace because you can see the, the bandana. Mm -hmm. So, and these motorcycles, the long blue headband that kind of sticks out of his helmet. Right. That's right. Um, so we, as the audience, can easily identify the hero. Yeah, and, we always know where the hero is. Yeah, yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, easily my favorite part of this movie is definitely the rockets that shoot off the motorcycle mm -hmm. handlebars. Like, um, that's not even like that's really like my favorite part. It's awesome. They're, yeah, they're exceptional. Like they're like they the old school Boy Scout rockets that you would oh, like yeah, yeah, build yeah. and Absolutely. shoot out in a field. Some of them Absolutely. go this way. Some of them go that way. Some of them go all sorts of yeah. ways. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's awesome. All yeah, I that, think, that, oh, go ahead, David. I'm just like, I didn't do this much, but all I could think of was being uh, other, other boys under the age of, of seven playing with trucks in the, like the woods and, on, or in the mud and the and just like making like noises and firing pew, yeah. pew, pew, and just like and i'm like okay they're doing it for real like that this is what this is this is a showcase of child of children playing with like their toys like that's all this is with the same amount with the same amount of artistic thought put into it right? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know there, there are parallels there this is <laughs> this is definitely the movie that taught that first kid to shoot the Roman candle at his buddy in a, in a war oh, yeah. and have Roman candle wars. Oh. Yeah, yeah. From 100%. his BMX bike. From yes. his BMX yeah. bike. Yep. A hundred percent. But this is where the movie like completely wins. Like it totally excels at doing this. Like th this stunt, yeah. that shot, there's like one particular shot that, you know, it's in all the trailers and uh, where you, you're behind the three motorcycles and they just kind of like, those balloons like start pop up and then they just unload the barrage of missiles into that's the... that's target practice john that's yeah, target yeah. practice yeah huh. but it was rainbow colored balloons is target practice <laughs> yeah of course that's uh those are the colors yeah. you need um but yeah that's like you know every time the movie gets to that point where like we're seeing the real stunts and the real you know, however many stunt guys there were on those motorcycles and those buggies and just like going at it, that, that's like where the movie is uh, totally achieves what it wants and what Hal's going after. And then they ground like, it with another scene of the actors. Yeah. Just chewing the dialogue. And it's, 
<laughs> it's amazing. Totally. Like, it let's is the cut best to Ace version. Inviting her, the, inviting her to dinner the best for 20 ver- minutes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. While he's rimlet in magenta light, uh, wearing a giant ascot, um, and wardrobe clearly ripped off from Star Trek. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're sort of, we'll call them their dress uniform, I guess. Yeah. Their dress blues. Their dress blues. Uh, yeah. But this movie really is like, it just it, it, it dawned on me when I start accidentally talking over John. Sorry about that. Um, I'm new at this podcast game. But the, the, it is like watching the best amusement park stunt show you've ever seen. It's literally, yeah. it, it, it is, it, you're like, where this had to have been at Universal Studios at one point, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's literally, that's exactly what it looks like. And in fact, across the street from Universal Studios, told, asked John about this. There was a, uh, on Ventura Boulevard, there was a place that built cars, specialty cars for movies. And they had one of the Megaforce cars right out in front of it forever. It was the, the one that kind of looks like the, the door stop with six wheels and light. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's it, this, the movie is just so, and I think that's the attraction of it, right? Is it's, it's so fascinating that it, it jumps from this really cool action stuff to this bananas, bizarre kind of a story, but you're just watching these weird characters for really long periods of time. And then you get another action beat, but, you know, I, it's hard to say what the plot is at this point, even because they're just um, they're going to invade. Right. They're going to fight back against Guerrero's Gamibian army group. Uh, but it's a long build to like, you know, they've got to walk through all their technology and everything that they can do. And then they've got to get in their you know plane and get on the move. And then they you know, finally get to where they're going. But it's it's a really long time in between those sequences. Uh, yeah. With well, George then, Firth popping up every once and again to talk, talk about the technology. Yeah, right. George Egg. Firth. <laughs> George Firth is in like a million movies. You know, the second you see him, you'll know who he is. He's yeah. a great, one of the great character actors of that time. He was, uh, he was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He's the guy guarding the safe on the on the train that they keep blowing up (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right and he's in blazing saddles yeah yeah he's in a ton of the man with two brains yeah and and correct me if i'm wrong because i don't know if i kept up with the story as 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 it was unfolding but don't they kind of just pull the plug on the whole megaforce acting against guerrera well, like it's in the third yeah. act, and then they're like, "Nah, we're gonna do it anyway." Well, yeah, that's what this is where I, I get a little lost. But the these, you know, so they go to invade, and then Guerrera comes to them, right? And we realize Guerrera and Ace are like, I don't know if they're best friends, but they have been very close friends, and they have thanks the, to the lighter scene at yeah, the dining room table. Yeah, this, yes. yes, when we learn about the lighter, yeah. There's a whole history between these two characters, and they are the friendliest bunch of guys. It's like, it's like if JFK and Castro were secret best friends. Yeah, I love you. I'm gonna kill you, but I love you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great comp. 
<laughs> JFK and Castro. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of it feels like there's a lot of improv dialogue going on maybe and and they're just kind of winging it. <laughs> and I don't know. It's so um and the whole time all of the the Megaforce dudes are just you, you know Dallas and Zachary Taylor who's my other favorite um Megaforce member uh who are just smiling and like they don't quite get it but they're still having a good time and they're allowing it they're allowing the number one villain that they're fighting to come directly into the center of their their camp to their leader and uh and then the big sequence at the end yeah 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 where hal needham uh decided to cast himself yeah he's the guy in the truck right he's the guy in the truck oh uh, that's awesome as like kind of a commander Field commander. Yeah, he's the guy in the, with the southern accent. I think he's from Tennessee or something. It's a southern accent. So Guerrero comes in. They also let Guerrero go. And right. then they the attack continues. And, you know, mm-hmm. and the same thing. It's, it's just another, you know, excuse to just, like, let these stunt guys have a lot of fun and it didn't even seem like it was super choreographed maybe that, that, you know, exactly what's going, it just seems like it's just chaos happening. I love the colored smoke. And I mean, like it's, there's a lot, the flying motorcycle at the very end was a little bit. Awesome. Oh, a little bit too amazing. Whoa. We got it. Let, the ending is a whole separate separate discussion yeah yeah it was it was a little bit too far for me guys i just couldn't i couldn't let it slide (laughs) right right because the the ralph bakshi animation that all of a sudden shows up in the middle of them describing the big scene wasn't enough for you (laughs) no no that was flying motorcycle motorcycle put put it over (laughs) the edge for me right i mean it was incredible Going back to Persis Kambata for a second. So she, mm-hmm. like, her the whole time she's, she's, you know, connecting with Ace, but also she's, I think she's trying to join Megaforce. And she does join Megaforce, but then he says, <laughs> but you can't come on this mission. Mm. Why? Yeah. You know, the one woman in the movie uh, can't, can't quite yeah. uh, keep up but with let's, them. But... Let's meet for dinner after. Yeah. So you get your thumb kisses goodbye, and then and then later on when he returns. But uh, yeah, so you know, a lot of action ensues. That's where again, where the movie is is really working. And then you know, the team separates from Ace. Ace gets left behind. The team is, uh, you know, made it to the to the uh, ship, and they're taking off, and they're going to leave Ace behind. But you can't leave Ace behind. No, and we get one of the greatest uh, ending sequences again in film history. Mm-hmm. Ace gets on his special motorcycle, and which we see it sprout wings, mm-hmm. and he takes off uh, after the plane, flying into the air with some of the greatest performances by Barry Bostwick <laughs> and facial expressions. Uh-oh on that introvision <laughs> rear yeah. projection that mm-hmm. I've, again, I've seen. So um, you're forgetting the most important part, the barrel roll. Yes. He does a fucking barrel roll 
as he's approaching the back of an open C-130 aircraft, you know, <laughs> flying Hercules. It, yeah. yeah. He's pretty reckless for, for an escape. <laughs> he's just I mean, that in taking, control. It's kind of taking showboating, right, <laughs> to, uh, to a new level. Yeah, you got to show off. If you're going to do a move like that, you got to do it with flair and style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> when you're escaping death, for sure, do a barrel roll on a flying Yamaha 250cc dirt bike. And, and really, approaching the back of the C 130. Every shot in that sequence is my favorite shot. Yeah. Um, there, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, I love the reaction shots. Like, we cut to the Megaforce dudes who are, you know, at the back of the airplane with the, you know, ramp down, waiting for him, and they're calling him. And it is some of the greatest overacting I've ever seen. That, it is we, genius. We, we pan down each of the Megaforce members, and they are <laughs> so excited and so encouraging oh. and happy and um, really pulling for ace. And I, I, I love that moment and Dallas, uh, leading the way poor, poor Michael Beck. I don't know like yeah. how he went from the warriors to There's, three years later, he, he's doing this, yeah. but, yeah. um, but we did, we did skip over one other element right before ace, uh, is able to meet up with them. He finds his way back to Guerrera and right. knocks on Guerrera's tank you know, tank door or tank hatch and uh, delivers one of our favorite lines of the movie. Hey! Hi, Duke. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. What can you say after that? Well, you know, and it's an extension of their conversation about how things were different in the 70s, you know, like warfare and conflict. And, you know, there were essentially that there was a sort of black hats and white hats, good, and good, good guys and bad guys. And Guerrero's argument is sort of like there that's that's not what it's like now. And uh, uh, and the bad, you know, I think the bad guys, you know, are quote unquote, the bad guys can win as far as Guerrero is concerned. Right. And so. This is the big comeback. This is the big slap in the face to him <laughs> that uh, the good guys always win, right? And Guerrero <laughs> is, but Guerrero is equally excited about Ace getting away. Yeah, he loves it. He's, he is legit <laughs> cool with it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, why? Why are you fighting if all you want to do is for each of you to live and thrive? Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. Just overt positivity among everyone it's they just live to, they live to combat another day yeah. yeah yeah i mean clearly leading up to a, a a sequel or two i mean barry bostwick was signed for a three picture deal for this franchise heck yeah amazing i probably probably team up with guerrera by the third movie and he oh, went yeah. from he went from pirates of penzance on broadway <laughs> to this and whose idea was that was that Hal's idea do we know whose idea that was who saw him who saw Barry Boswick in Pirates of Penzance on Broadway and said hey we're how what was the budget on this movie uh, like 30 million or something 40 budget. million it was huge for that time 20 it was tw uh, 20 million 20 yeah 20 yeah okay so that's 100 and something million today yeah 
Yeah, that's yeah, huge. Like, who said, like, oh, yeah, the guy... And there's actually... He references... There's a line from Pirates of Penzance they reference in the movie. I'm the very model of a modern major general. Oh, all right. Is from... Uh, Pirates? That movie. Yeah, from Pirates. Like, I just... That decision alone, just... You're right. Like, where's Burt Reynolds at this point? Where's yeah. Chuck Norris? Where's, you know... <laughs> yeah. Did they see the outfit and go, yeah, no, you know, I'm good, man. I think... <laughs> I'm busy that week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, this was, you know, I've I've read interviews with with Barry Boswick, and there was like people were vying for this role, and it was a big movie, and there was a lot of expectations uh, for it. That, um, you know, I think there were there were there was you know like always, there's people who turned it down, but I think there was an equal amount who wanted that role and didn't get it and it went with and it ended up with Boswick and and I don't think he regrets doing it because at the time not knowing what it was going to be why would you say no to this right even yeah, reading you're, a script getting... like even reading at the time like plenty of people read Star Wars and didn't think that was right. thought that was silly and wasn't well gonna be and how Needham had just directed like two of the highest grossing movies of the last five years at that point yeah like why wouldn't yeah totally like, i completely see why people said yes it's in the execution of it that's just batshit i mean absolutely batshit crazy yeah i think as soon as that the outfits came out might be when <laughs> me as an actor would start questioning what we're doing yeah, yeah. But don't you think they would have waited for that reveal until everybody was on set and had signed the contract? Yeah, so, yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> We're gonna shoot any scenes totally. in that wardrobe last. That's which was yeah, all of that's, it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's the old joke about Ned Beatty sh showing up on Deliverance. Like, I don't have pages nineteen and twenty in my script. <laughs> and does yeah. anyone anyone know why I don't have pages nineteen and twenty in my script? <laughs> It just says I go up the hill with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just wait till the last minute to drop that. Yeah. Yeah. The outfits. Yeah. To answer the question from earlier, Burt Reynolds was uh at this time doing uh the best little whorehouse in Texas, which also came uh, out in eighty two, right? Which yeah. also came out in eighty two. And then yeah. he directly followed that with uh uh Stroke Race. Stroke Race. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, unavailable. Yeah, he made, I mean, Stroke Race was with was with Needham again. So yeah, yeah, you know. So maybe he was just trying to mix it up a little bit because I think right before he was doing uh, Smoking the Bandit two. Is that yep. right before? That was right eighty, before? I think. Oh, okay. But uh, well, and then Bert went into his like cannibal top mode afterward in the mid eighties. He he kind of switched to Sharky's machine, Sharky's stick. Yeah. stick. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I R. loved Stick as a kid. Oh, yeah. I loved Sharky's Machine. Dar Robinson. You, you uh, yeah. do Dar if you haven't done a show on him yet. There are kids, Google Dar Robinson. Somehow. He was, he, was the, he was kind of the other Hal Needham, but he didn't direct. And he was one considered to be probably the greatest stuntman that ever lived. Yeah. Yeah. Church bell-sized balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we haven't um, we haven't done an episode actually at all with Burt Reynolds, so we're gonna we're gonna change that real soon. We've got one coming up in our lineup. So we did Megaforce before we ended up doing Burt. So 
Exactly. It's the lack. It's the lack of Bert and Megaforce that's going to lead us to do Bert. Exactly. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that equation. That's what comes <laughs> yep. after the equal sign. Yeah. That's right. That's it. <laughs> that's it. It's going to be a Reynolds-a-thon here yeah. uh, <laughs> in July. I could. I could see Bert as Guerrera, though. I could see it if, oh. if there's. A he role. comes in. He does. He does four days, and he's out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Smoking <laughs> yeah. a cigar the whole time. You know. <laughs> Right, doing a bump in the trailer with Hal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got an eighteen-hour shoot day. Let's yeah, let's get through this like we do. But then he would have overshadowed Bostwick in those scenes. Those would have been a whole different uh, tone. Oh yeah, the lighter scenes would have the, and I mean like lighter as in light your cigarette scene would have been totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? So that it was like the backstory was, it was Ace's lighter that he left behind but then he thought Guerrero stole it and I, I don't know it was i think it was just to build some history between them totally it's incomprehensible he accuses yeah. him of being drunk when he took it yeah yeah. yeah it's a it's a <laughs> shit, shit i have no idea it's a word salad that script is a <laughs> giant word salad yeah. it's, a, it's a red herring yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> But uh, yeah, and and then then the movie really just like Megaforce gets away. They've basically destroyed Guerrero's army, but yet haven't actually killed anybody. Nobody dies in this movie. We see lots of explosions, and we see a couple people roll off or out of their vehicles, but everybody's okay. Hundreds of disabled tanks. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, An entire uh sound stage full of miniature tanks and miniature uh uh dictator lair gets destroyed in in this movie yeah yeah um yeah there was a hobby shop somewhere and made a fortune off this movie selling <laughs> little houses and oil rigs Oh, that reminds me the miniature explosions at the, sorry i'm going way back to the beginning of the movie the miniature right. explosion explosions when uh, Guerrera attacks the the initial that like that town, uh, but whatever whatever that like factory or whatever it is that he's like blowing up, like they're literally like circular holes in the walls that have been left. Yes, looks like, <laughs> yes, like yeah. It, it looks that is. It looks like, like perforated cardboard. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, you know, like an egg crate or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I feel like I feel like Hal must have just said, "Good enough, let's go," over yeah. and over. Let's get oh. to the rockets on the motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, it's a hundred percent. Let's spend our money on the on the on the explosions. Yeah, art department, get out of there. We're shooting. Oh mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, man, so yeah, it just it's uh, it's an amazing movie that I, I you know. I, I, big example of like kind of what what could have been you know in maybe um different hands like what what this movie it really could have been huge like it could have been a massive franchise you know think fast and the furious but in 1982 um it could have been that but it was just you know i don't know if hal needham it was ever the greatest storyteller he made a yeah. lot of fun movies where everyone's having a good time in the movie, had a good time making the movie. Um, and that's very apparent 
um, with with mostly with his Burt team ups, right? But you know, as far as a uh, story devices and plot, you know, they're, they're pretty they're pretty thin, and Mega Force may be yeah. the the thinnest. Mm-hmm. I, that I is something like... him and James Cameron have in common. Hey, oh, sorry. It's a legit call. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like this is not always the case, and I feel like more often than not, it's the opposite of this. But this may be a perfect example for why you don't have a singular creative voice on on a project without some kind of like checks and balances, right? Like some kind of like grounding, yeah. you know, effort from from others. And you know what I was thinking about watching it this time too is is Al Ruddy. So if you watch that Paramount um, show, The Offer, the offer yeah. where is that Al Ruddy here? Because according to that show, he's the guy who really made The Godfather. Forget Coppola. It's all Al Ruddy who made that movie happen, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you believe what's uh, lined up in, in that show. but So where is that guy crafting and guide, the guiding hand for Megaforce? I mean, maybe it is a case of of what I think Brent was just saying, where maybe this is this is a perfect example of a guy who had made the studios tens of millions of dollars in the previous five, seven years. And they were like, hey, man, he's going to deliver us, you know, even if it's half as good as Hooper and Cannonball Run and and Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, you know, if it's half that, we're golden. Like, just let the guy go. Yeah. Um, and you know, throw in a a couple a sidecar of cocaine and uh, <laughs> and 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 an amazing re- uh, relationship with the U.S. military, apparently, to be able to get all of these all of these tanks and airplanes. And it, it's just, it really is just. Everyone should just watch it just to see the. It, it's so representory of the excess of the eighties. Yeah, it's a spectacle. In, in every way, yes, and it's hollow. It's absolutely hollow, which is very, very, very eighties. You know, it was yeah. all about what was up front and not what was inside, mm-hmm. and it, and it really is not to over intellectualize it, but that's really, really at its core. What you're watching is is the excesses of the eighties straight across the board in the worst way possible, but also in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. That's a it great is, way to put it. It's such a, I mean, it really, it's just an insane movie. Um, it's so banana, like the characters are so over the top, you know, yet without a plot. Yeah. <laughs> so, like you were just it saying. Kinda, yeah. It's kind of the 18 before the 18. Yeah. Like, had they nailed this, they could have been the A team. Like, this could have become a TV series. This could have become three movies. Like, uh, it the what ifs of this of this film are are huge. Yeah, all the pieces of it were there, and just in in just the right. And I and and I don't know. You know, we'll never know what it what it was. If it was Hal Needham saying like, first of all, that Hal Needham had had a great sense of humor clearly, and Burt Reynolds and his relationship is clear because that's kind of what made those other movies so light and fun and had action. But then he tried to apply that to this kind of military-based sprawling story. And it just it just didn't work. Right. Didn't translate or scale. Didn't 
didn't train. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, it didn't it didn't scale. And by the way, Hal Needham is the first guy. He's credited with being the guy to show bloopers at the end of a movie. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Was was that for Smokey and the Bandit? Was that the first one? Uh, Smokey and the Bandit or Cannonball Run? I can't yeah, remember. One of them. Yeah, one of yeah. those. But he was the first one to show outtakes. Yeah, I read somewhere that's actually where uh, why uh, I think Jackie Chan because of because of that that's yeah. why Jackie Chan did it in in yeah. uh, the majority of his movies. Yep. Huh. Right. Right. Amongst many others. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. All right. Well, shall we? Uh, why don't we move on to our our segment we call box office glory. We're going to take a look at how it did. What, what were the numbers here, and how how did it do when it got released? So. Megaforce has a $20 million budget. It opens up June 25th, 1982 at number nine. Oof. It opens up against The Thing and Blade Runner. So heavy, heavy competition uh, that day. Uh, it lands right between uh, The Thing, who also did not have a, an amazing opening weekend, and uh, a re-release of Bambi. So sitting at number nine, it has a uh, $2.3 million opening weekend. Grand total domestic run is $5.6 million. Oof. So it Ouch. is a, it is a tough loss for Mr. Needham and uh, the yeah. folks at Golden Harvest and, and Al Ruddy, but uh, it, it doesn't even crack the top 60 uh, at the box office in 1982, uh, which was, which was uh, headed up by E.T., Tootsie, and an officer and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, $20 million is $63 million in today's. Yeah, which is Ooh. still, that's still, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Like there are, there are big action movies, maybe not Fast and the Furious, maybe not uh, Avengers Infinity War, but there are big action movies that are still made for that kind of money. For yeah, sure. for sure. Um, yeah, so we mentioned, you know, it did have, uh, it did, it, there was a whole marketing campaign. We spoke about it earlier. It's got, we've got matchbox cars, the Atari video game, the hot wheels playset, um, all that, you know, or, or some of that, uh, brought on by Mattel and the deal they had made, uh, to probably add in some, some financing for this movie. And, um, uh, but you know, one of the, the bigger lasting impacts it had was, on a couple of young filmmakers named Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who readily admit that Team America World Police was their homage to Megaforce. Fuck yeah. America, fuck yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is like kind of <laughs> like mo- doing Megaforce right, you know? Yes. Dude, that movie is, I, I mean, I will, I have not seen it in a while and I'm, nervous to assume that it, it holds up and is probably will get will get somebody canceled but that movie is fucking hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they took like what happened with megaforce and really spun it the comedic way and obviously with the uh you know the the puppetry and and the mm-hmm. you know the style mm-hmm. they chose it, thunderbirds it, yeah like worked perfectly for that for what they were doing yeah um, so yeah, so where does where does Megaforce kind of sit 
in the world of cinema now is it do we do we qualify it as a cult classic is it have that big big enough of a following i would say so probably uh, what evidence do you have <laughs> to that i mean i mean do people go to cons or, or two of us here people on talk like, yeah I mean, 50 50 like yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I get mean, it like it's i'm sure there's plenty of people that are aware of it and all that but i mean uh i, don't I think i think those who enjoyed it you know years and years ago i think probably have a a love for it still that that continues right. again i think that part of that is probably based on seeing it with other friends and being able to like create traditions based around it you know similarly to like a rocky horror picture show and like mm -hmm. being able to like recite the lines like this to me is one of those movies that you go see in a theater and you can yell at the screen and be an active participant in some of the stuff i think that it would hold up in a in a world and a platform like that i don't know if that happens i'm not aware of that happening yeah. i think if it did i would go check that out for sure um but i don't know if it's actually like cult status i know that there are people that love it but does that equal cult status i i'm not i'm not sure um, I don't think it's it, got the cult status fun. of, yeah, I don't think it's got the status of Rocky horror, but I think there are a lot of people that you'd be surprised that, that there's, there's a lot of people who like this movie quite a bit. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I sure. believe that to be totally, totally true. I just haven't, this is like a new, it's a, I've just been introduced to this mega force world. I, and, you know, we, Brent, we just had our, our, college of santa fe reunion dipping into our personal life for a second we just I recall had our, that i recall that uh, yeah just just very recently and somehow we made it through that entire weekend without me busting out megaforce and making everybody because you're right like if we had watched all that as a group we would have had like we did with all the friday the 13th movies and our, our marathon that we talk about regularly yes uh, that's you, part of why we love those movies so much. Megaforce would have been the same. You, you're right. You didn't bust out Megaforce. You did bust out every possible uh, student film that we made while we were in college. Which, uh, you know, I mean, in in comparison, has very very uh, <laughs> numerous similarities to Megaforce, <laughs> and and you know. Uh, no, you can't forget Night of Revengeance. It's a classic. <laughs> I, would say, there. I, I would say um, the fact that Matt and Trey made a film that parodies this um, cements it firmly as a cult film. Right. That's a valid um, argument. Yeah, and I, I think I agree with John that, you know, it's not, we're not in Big Lebowski cult land. We're not in, in uh, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show or something like that, but um, I definitely think that, um, you know, uh, that it, it, there, there is a huge swath of us, um, uh, maybe of a certain age, uh, <laughs> who, who identify with this movie in a way that, you know, is good. And, and I would say, like, anyone listening to this, um, if you haven't seen the movie, I would recommend that the first time you watch it, you watch it with friends. Um, because totally. it, it, the, the interactive experience of showing this film to someone for the first time and being able to talk about it, it's its own mystery, Science Theater 3000. Um, you know, it makes its own gravy. 
um, as you're sitting there watching it. And, and it's really, really don't watch it alone. Watch it with order some food, have some beers, do whatever you do and watch this to get as a communal experience. I would love nothing more than to see this projected. I've never seen it projected. I've never seen it in theater. Um, but what you're talking about would be a great way. I think, you know, Alamo draft house or something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call you know, my... And just, I guarantee you if Alamo draft house did this and put on IG, Hey, we're doing mega force, blah, blah, blah. It would sell out. Yeah. I'm going to call my new local, my new local yes, vidiots. theater, Vidiots, which yes. has returned and is very close to where I live. Uh, I'm going to call them up and start harassing them until they, <laughs> until they book a Megaforce screening. Yeah. And I guarantee it will sell out as well. Well, when it, yeah, yeah let's get tickets. I'll fly in. I'll definitely uh, be there. Yeah. Mm. That's the way to watch mm -hmm. them. Gold, gold spandex, Brent? Maybe. <laughs> Definitely Maybe a blue headband. <laughs> blue headband. Oh, blue headband for sure. Yeah, yeah you got Blue headband will probably not get me arrested. The gold <laughs> spandex might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Well, I don't know what else we can say about Megaforce. Um, it, it's a 12-star it's a out of 10 for me. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Watch it with yeah. Yeah. But um, Michael, thank you mm -hmm. so much. I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and joining us and being, being an expert and wait a minute, I'm getting, I'm actually getting a letter handed to me with the mega force logo on it. And uh, yeah. What an, <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. it's a press release that, Okay, Commander Ace Hunter is stepping down as leader of Megaforce, and Michael, you've been named the new lead leader of Megaforce oh 2.0. Congratulations! Wow. Yeah, please Long call me call me Deuce. Mazel call me Deuce. Yes, <laughs> call me Deuce Hunter. There's only one Ace. Yeah, well, that's there true. will only ever be one Ace. <laughs> yeah. I will happily take take on uh, being Deuce. That's amazing. Congrats. I know you're going to take Thank the team you. to new levels. I am. I am. I am. I'm Maybe. working on a, I'm working on, a, on an e-scooter that <laughs> launches uh, <laughs> rockets. Um, got a lot of big plans. Yeah. That's the, the team, the team has level. aged a bit. So I think they need some. Well, me and the ghost of George Firth yeah. are working on that now. And <laughs> He's for those of you who don't know, George Firth plays basically Egghead Egg, they call him Egg, but he's basically the Q from like James yes. Bond. He's the yeah. Q of the Megaforce. Right. He's the gadget guy. Yeah. He's the gadget guy. Well, Dallas is still second in command and happily so. So uh you know, right. I, I look forward to your journey there. Thank you. Um so Michael, you know, again, everybody, ch please get on Amazon right now and check out Peacock. It's an amazing film. Uh, thank you for bringing that to audiences everywhere. And uh, what else do you have going on? I know you're you're always writing. Every time you're, I oh, talk okay. to you, you're writing, writing, writing. And uh, well, there's a big strike happening right now. Yeah, so I can't. Uh, I can't. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the Writers Guild. Um, so I, you know, I can't. I'm not writing on anything. Um, right now, I, I do have an article that um, I've been working on with GQ that should come out sometime in the fall. Um, a big kind of funny, crazy about a beer company in the 70s uh, based on true story. 
kind of like a, an American hustle kind of vibe. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then I optioned two TV shows just before the, just before the strike. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'll get back to writing those uh, <laughs> when the strike ends. Um, what else? I wrote, uh, I made a, I made a new sort of short film proof of concept for a feature film uh, I'm working on and that'll come out right after the strike uh, as well. I'm on Instagram uh, at Lander film. Um, you can follow me there and I'll, I'll give you updates and all that stuff. Yeah. Nice. That's, uh, That's great. All of that is very exciting stuff. We will, uh, we, we can't wait for this strike to, to, to come to an end whenever that we get to that point and everyone yeah. can get back to work and, and get back to writing and finish the all the cool stuff that you're working on. So can we? Thanks, see man. That? Well, and thank you guys for having me. Um, Thanks uh, for being I, here. This is only like my second podcast, so hopefully I didn't shit the bed and talk too much. Uh, no, great. You were great. Thank yes. you. Thank you. And yeah, there's there's not uh, you know it's not every day I get a call to talk about Megaforce. So. <laughs> Well, now we now we now we gotta find now we gotta find other movies you want to talk about with us so that we can get you uh, get you. Back oh, I believe me, I'm ready. I've got uh, ask John. I've, I've, I I uh, I sent him my spreadsheet. So nice. He's, he's All back. right. Yeah. That's oh right. well, you'll be back. So yeah, this is just the first of, of many. So awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you again. And and anybody uh, you know listening, don't forget to check us out. We're on social media. We're at Reconsimation Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, check out our, our archives at reconsimation.com. Uh, we've got a great lineup coming up in season six. So stay tuned. We've got our sizzling summer of sensational cinematic shenanigans and it's a fun fun lineup so i think you're really gonna love what we're doing and we may not be doing the godfather but we're gonna have a lot of fun this summer and we'll have you know other special guests uh, returning so uh we're gonna have lots of fun so stay tuned for that thank you to uh, ek wimmer for our theme music and curtis moore for our posters as usual and uh we will see you next time on Reconsinimation. Take care. Bye now. Atari DCS, one of the new games of the century from 20th Century Fox.